so because it was Halloween and daylight savings time this week, um, in preparation for all that, we didn't make a track because of the time. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of time to go out and buy candy and get your costumes ready and and all that. What what did you dress up as? Um, I went as a thirty year old um hipster who doesn't know if he's actually a hipster or not but wears hipster style clothes that's what i i did what about that's you? weird because that's exactly what i wore exactly <laughs> yeah yeah it was pretty good pretty original costume i think there you go yeah um and i was busy setting back uh all the clocks in my house this week of which there's one right it's this but one. i was practicing so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Actually, truth be told, I was just talking in the chat before you jumped on. Um, I completely forgot that it was daylight savings time until about 10 minutes ago because uh-huh. everything we have now updates automatically other than my watch, but I'm not wearing my watch right now. Right. And uh, I didn't think it was weird that I woke up an hour earlier than normal this morning. I woke up like 6.30, which just freaked me out. But I, let it be known, let me say it here, to hell with daylight savings time. It's completely useless. It's yeah. outdated and dumb, and I hate it. Yeah, there's no reason. I think are we the only country that does it? <laughs> I maybe. Again, so. because we're Americans, our worldview is so American centric that I'm not sure if any other countries in the world do daylight savings time. But right. Well, I mean, it was like from the farmer farmers almanac for like farmers like to have more daylight to work outside. So there's not really that- any point of it. That was almost a, a Skyrim reference there. The Falmers. The Falmers. Oh, man. Hey. <laughs> Talking my language. Oh, man. Somebody in the comments is going to be all over that one. Um, <laughs> as usual, everyone, thanks for the great response. I was uh, checking in on our, our comments and everything from our show last week, our Dipped In Person show. Yes. Um, 5,000 views on that. Yeah, video. not bad. Not, not bad. bad. But I got a bone to pick with you, uh, you people on YouTube here. Okay. <laughs> 5,000 people watched it. But only 1,800 of you are subscribed to this channel right now. Right. Get your shit together, man. What are you doing? I can, I can pull up the metrics here in a little bit, and we can talk about it and scold these people. Exactly. Um, Obviously, you like what we're doing enough to at least watch one show, but the numbers don't lie, and the numbers say a lot of you are watching most of our episodes, but you're not subscribing. Just, just maybe click you the have thing. Com- yeah, maybe you have commitment issues, right? which I understand. Maybe maybe it's uh, you feel like it's a lot to commit to what we're doing here, but... Do it anyways. That's right. Just fall in line. Yeah. Peer pressure. <laughs> well, anyway, this is episode 10, right? Wow. 10. Right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think it is. Right. I feel like we should do something special, but we didn't prep anything. Yeah. Nah, we, we will, we'll, we'll do that next time. <laughs> we'll do it for episode 20. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I do have two things I want to talk about today. Two topics. I think two heavy-hitting slamming topics. Um both of which would make good titles, so we'll we'll see what happens with the title thing. But before we get to that, what uh, what's new with you this week? Man, uh, I finally got all my parts in for the most part. Um, oh, and I released, I, I didn't bring it up here, the Positron Collider. Yeah. Um, that was like super nerve-wracking because my enclosure guy, he's in Oklahoma and there was an ice storm and like they didn't have power. And so he he made them and shipped them Friday and we had the next day Saturday delivery. So if you've ever had to ship anything next day, Saturday, which is an additional charge, it's, it's crazy expensive, Ugh. but 
I got him. So um, nice. That's 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 it. You know that, and like you know, just hanging with the family for Halloween because that's one of our favorite you know holidays. So yeah, nice. What, how, what many, uh, how many how <clears> many <throat> how many positron colliders are you making? Um, I I've sold around fifty so far, and I'll I'm gonna keep the pre order going until probably into this this week and see you know what we do and then if it gets to a like a comfortable point i'll probably kill it um, yeah oh but one thing i did i shaved my beard for november and uh would have probably grow a mustache and i think uh to raise money for that charity um we'll put a link below to learn more about them uh i want to sell merch and like, all the the profit from the merch will go to november to raise nice. money for them so yeah. uh for a great cause uh but i can confidently say you like myself look much better with a beard so. <laughs> i look yeah it gives me a, a chin and it yeah. ages me a little bit so. <laughs> so may it come back in haste yeah, oh it will um, yeah <laughs> oh another thing that happened to you this week uh the the five watt world video on the clon came out and yeah. you got a nice, lovely little shout out by Keith there on the uh, the Mjolnir, specifically the Wildwood Mjolnir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was crazy. We, uh, I had luckily just sent some to Wildwood, and the day it came out, they sold all of them. So I'm gonna have to hit the bench again and get to soldering. So old man Rick Beato bought one. He I, um, he called me. He watched the Klon video and. I don't think he put two and two together that you and I like know each other and work together and have a podcast together. Right. Uh, and he was like, Rhett, well, what, what, what are these, uh, these, 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 um, these Greek pedals? Are these, are these good? What, what's the deal with this? I was like the Mjolnir, the Wildwood Mjolnir. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one Keith was just talking about. I was like, yeah, they're, they're really good. You should get one. I have a normal one. He's like, all right, all right. I'll call you back. Call <laughs> you back in five minutes. Like, all right, I bought it. Uh, let you know when it gets here. <laughs> I was like, you know that Zach and I know each other. Like we we work right. together and <laughs> He could have just called me, but all right, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So well that's awesome, man. Yeah. Good week for you. Yeah, thanks. What what about you? What's been going on? I had a uh just a complete failure week for me. Um just, you know, came back, was in Nashville obviously last week, got a bunch of stuff done. Got one really fun video done with Tyler Bryant, good friend of mine. Um put that out and then was like really looking forward to coming home and getting back to work and working on some videos started a video got halfway through it and realized this video is not good not interesting so i killed it it's about 12 hours worth of work oh I no um and have just been in sort of like a video idea deficit which happens from time to time which sucks because the way youtube works uh youtube channel works is if you it's like shoveling a coal fire in a steam engine like <laughs> yeah you've got to keep it going and if you slow down or stop shoveling that coal the whole thing just kind of slows down so um because this is my living at this point i you know it, it puts a lot of stress and anxiety on me when i don't have a good idea for a video and i can just see the numbers my analytics starting to kind of fall off and then it puts more pressure on me like all right come up with an idea stupid make something good don't be dumb and then it just it's like a self-fulfilling vicious cycle so i think i've got a good idea for a video i'm going to start tomorrow um why are guitar players obsessed with vintage gear mm. yeah i think i'm thinking i want to explore that make a video out of it that, that's so. something that i'll send you messages 
or, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like I'll text you about it. How like, you know, I'm just flabbergasted sometimes about how much people are so obsessed with like capturing like a certain sound. And like, right. I feel like we're very much like you get in your head and you kind of get tunnel vision. You don't really look forward or don't try to create your own identity sonically. Like so many people that make like a one-to-one replica of John Mayer's tri pedal board and like, you know, and the continuum stuff. And it's just like people are super obsessed about it. and I always think, Oh, you know, like, why is that? Why are people so crazy about that? But people do that same thing with Jimi Hendrix and John yep. Chante and David Gilmore and like all those people too. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting how we as guitar players obsess about sounds and, and classic gear and not, we don't really try to push the envelope forward. And I am super guilty of that, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I think to, to an extent, all of us are, obviously you have people like, I mean, just off the top of my head, Tosin Abasi, right? I, I don't think Tosin's like trying to capture anyone's tone. I think he's pretty well on his way to, to being his own thing. Um, but that's what, and you're right. I think, in fact, that's another video right there. Yeah. So I'll have to remind myself of that. That's a good video topic. Like, I feel like what we should be doing is using these influences to craft our own sound and our own voice on the guitar. Um, and I, I know a lot of us do, right? Yeah. But and I think it it happens inadvertently over time of failing to sound like our heroes. In failing to do that, we end up kind of creating our own sound. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I never. Um, like learn things note for note. Well, I mean, some things I do, but like I've never had that that gene, you know, that that itch. Right. Be like, I'm gonna learn this solo perfectly because I think that it, it's cool, but it's also kind of boring. Like you know, I'm not whoever I'm trying to emulate, so why do I need to learn something exactly? Right. So right. So yeah, that was my week. Um, sure. I'm gonna take the rest of today off. I think we're going to go ride our mountain bikes. I, I learned a, a good friend of mine who's also a musician here in town, like also picked up mountain biking not too long ago. So we're going to go ride with them and uh, yeah, get back to it Yeah, this week. Well, nice. So, well, first anyways, topic, what you got? Guitar center. They're going under. It's finally happening. Um, this has been in the news, you know, pretty much this whole week. Mm-hmm. So by the time we're getting to it, it's, it's, it's a little, it's old news somewhat, but, um, it's interesting, man. I, I have a few, I have a few takes on it. I was just watching the casino guitars video on it, yeah. uh, which I think we should link down below. Cause it's a really good synopsis. I think those guys have a really good insight into obviously the retail industry, Yeah, but I'd like to, for us to approach it as, um, as players and what we think it means for what we do. Sure. The one thing that I keep seeing is like, everyone's saying they've declared and I, I haven't found like, cause I was looking this up right before we started that they've actually declared bankruptcy. Um, I think it's inevitable at this point. I think it's, it's, it hasn't officially happened, but the writing's on the wall. Yeah. I mean, they missed, uh, was a 40, $45 million interest pay- payment mm-hmm. in October. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting, man. How like in 2020, the guitar boom of this year, it seems like most everyone in the industry has had the best year in some cases ever in the history of instrument sales. Yet guitar center has had 
has just continued to flounder and, and fail. Why? The, the selection just is, is kind of a weird thing because they, they focus so much on their own house brands like Mitchell and that stuff. And like that's what they're pushing in a lot of their advertisements. It just seems I, – I, I don't know what their business model is trying to achieve because I don't feel like they're – I feel like their main focus is just marketing to the beginner and not, yeah. you know, your everyday average guitar player, which that's the majority of us, you know. Yeah, they're they're definitely like the the sort of beginner to prosumer brand, right? Like they market to the beginner player up to the intermediate player. And by the time someone's been playing for a year or two and they start to get their lay of the land, that's when people kind of start to, I think, find other avenues. In Atlanta, we have, I think, five stores. There's one near me in Alpharetta. There's one in uh, the main store, which is actually the Southeastern flagship stores here in Atlanta on on Druid Hills. There's um, one in Marietta. There's one south of Atlanta. And I think there's another one out in Cobb County somewhere. So there's five around here. And I want to shout out, like, first of all, to the employees. This is this is this sucks for, for the employees because I've gotten to know, at least in my local, you know, guitar center, there's there's one or two guys over there. Shout out to Jason at the Guitar Center in Alpharetta, super cool. Um, th- there's been this conception for a long time that the customer service at Guitar Center has been super lackluster, and I think that is true in some cases, but at least for me, my local shop here in Alpharetta, those guys over there have been great since, you know, and it's not just because I have a YouTube channel. This is I've been going there for the last five years since they opened, and they've been super cool and super helpful and and knowledgeable and stuff like that, but... I don't find myself going to Guitar Center for anything other than the bare necessities. Like, oh man, I've got the bands coming over and I need eighth inch to quarter inch headphone adapters. Right. And I need a bunch of them right now. And while I'm there, I'm going to grab a couple XLR cables and some, you know, whatever, a headstock tuner. Right. But that's it. Yeah. It, it's funny too. Like the Nashville Guitar Center is the same way. Like the guys are super knowledgeable for the most part and friendly and helpful um i think at the end of all this we should if we have any like funny guitar center stories we should share them but i you know i think the biggest thing that's hurt guitar center has been just everyone's shift and not just this year this has been something that's coming to online sales i mean like every store now there's there's no reason if you have a substantial inventory to not have an online store you know, if you're shipping guitars anyway, you need to have a shopping cart to sell them. And I think that the fact that it's so accessible now through Reverb and that everybody can basically have their own web presence. And so everything's accessible. Like people don't have to go because for a lot of people, they don't live near one. Um, it, it, that I think has probably been the biggest nail in the coffin for them, uh, throughout all throughout the last couple of years just everyone's transition to being able to have their own web presence i think it's sweetwater and amazon are the two biggest things that have that have killed off guitar center and you know what that's it's guitar center's fault yeah right it's it's their leadership like why haven't they been able to put together an online web store that's halfway decent guitarcenter.com sucks and musician musician's friend sucks like it's not a good buying experience it's not laid out well it's not 
it's not intuitive or helpful and in their marketing campaign has been an utter failure which is a huge part of this stuff right like because instantly if i'm going to go shop online for something i'm going to go to sweetwater or reverb right Why? because they've they've just dominated the online space for the last 10 years or so for online guitar sales and then the other part of it is from a retail experience from like a brick and mortar retail experience Dude, going to Guitar Center, especially bigger Guitar Centers, a lot of times is such a drag just because of the way the store is laid out. I mean, we all have stories of like walking into a Guitar Center somewhere and hearing just loud, a cacophony of just metal and blues riffs played through terrible sounding rigs at a, a stadium volume yeah. for all to hear. And it's like, dude, I just don't want to. I just don't want to be in there. Like, my local shop, Righteous, they intentionally don't let people play in the showroom because they don't want it to be that environment. So they have separate rooms where, if you're trying to try out an amp or a guitar, they'll pull it off the wall and they'll, they'll wheel it into the room for you. And you can spend as much time in that like private, private, sound, um, controlled room as possible. And from a playing perspective too. It's better because you don't have to worry. How many times you've been in Guitar Center and like been in your head about trying a piece of gear right. out and you're thinking like everyone can hear me struggling <laughs> on this Black Sabbath riff or whatever. Right. It's it's just a better buying experience overall. And I think that has kind of contributed to the downfall of Guitar Center, you know? Right. Yeah. The Like going back to the musician's friend thing, because they're, they're owned by the same company, right? Yeah. I and feel it's, it's musician's friend, Guitar Center, and music and arts. Right. So, like, I feel like the trend really started, for Musician's Friend, they started to kind of fall by the wayside whenever their catalog, whenever catalogs stopped becoming such a thing. Because, like, for me, and probably for you, too, in high school, like, you got your, you had your Musician's Friend catalog in your textbook yep. <laughs> at, yep. in class, and you're like, I want this Strat, and I want this pedal. <laughs> but, like, you don't do that now. And no. they they didn't evolve with the times. I do. I don't know if Amazon is really taking that big of a piece of the pie because can you buy that much stuff? I mean, you can buy like cables and like. I really think pedals. it's Sweetwater. I, I really do yeah. think it's Sweetwater and, and Reverb. Yeah, yeah. I th I think that's it. But again, dude, there's no reason that Guitar Center should have let Sweetwater like take over take them over i mean i understand sweetwater being as big as they are and having as much weight in the industry as they are but th as they have like being able to to do that but dude 10 years ago guitar center should have seen the writing on the wall with this stuff and should have been hammering their online presence and really figuring it out um if guitar center was smart they could have pioneered some kind of shop like reverb instead of chicago music exchange doing it like they they could have figured this stuff out 10 years ago sure sure and it's you know it's not hard, you know, it's just, it just takes dedicated people doing that. And, right. you know, one thing that's crazy is they they didn't pay, like, how much money? I'm trying to see how much they owe to all their vendors. They owe, like, millions to Fender, Gibson, Taylor, because they, they get all this inventory on credit, basically. Right. And they haven't paid them. <laughs> yeah, know? that was a thing about back when the whole full tone debacle was going down and Mike Fuller, you know, basically ran his mouth and killed his business. You know, one of the big P 
pieces of news that I was hearing on that was like, oh, well, Guitar Center dropped them. And I actually ended up hearing sort of through the grapevine someone in that, you know, in the retail business saying, actually, what really happened in that particular case was Full Tone, I think, dropped Guitar Center because Guitar Center wasn't paying their bills because they couldn't. Right. Yeah, I heard that too. But it's kind of funny. It's like, you can't fire me because I quit. You know, it's like one of those. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think, on one hand, like it really sucks, you know, I, I don't know that Guitar Center will actually go away, right? Because you remember almost two years ago, we were having this discussion about Gibson and then now look what's happened to Gibson. They got bought out. G- bankruptcy, Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection doesn't mean necessarily a company is going completely out of business and will cease to exist. It means they essentially can't pay their debt and they're going to sell off that debt to someone else who will either liquidate the business and the assets or they'll restructure it and try and make it profitable again right uh, so we you know i don't i don't know that this will be the death of guitar center it may end up being sort of like gibson the the renaissance or the attempted renaissance of guitar center um i think it does suck for the employees that's going to really really suck if they do go under and start closing stores which i think they probably will especially now during covid yeah but there are some upsides to this um, chief among them, I think we're going to start to see a resurgence, at least in, in areas like this of more mom and pop guitar shops starting to pop back up, taking over for the void that guitar center left. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a great thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's my, my, one of my favorite things to do when, you know, when the world was open is just go to guitar stores and just roam around, you know, like you never know what you'll find. And we need that. I mean, that's small businesses should be the backbone of this country. And it's a shame how many of them have, have disappeared because of the internet and, and guitar center, like in large retailers really having a chokehold on it. But now I feel like people have kind of turned a corner to want to go back to having that sort of like small shop experience. And yeah. You know, I do th- I think the biggest thing they need to do is just close stores, you know. There's no reason there should be five like you know in the Atlanta area or three in Nashville. Well, Atlanta's a big city, so I understand, I mean, having maybe two or three. But, but three? Like I mean, <laughs> how, how, I mean, what does it take like half an hour, 45 minutes to get between them, you know? Oh, dude. Zach, Atlanta, <laughs> you are you are 30 to 45 to an hour away from anywhere in Atlanta. It doesn't matter like how close or how far it is. Yeah. If anyone in the in the comments lives around here, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but, Atlanta's a big city. But it's not like a Walmart or a, you know, a dollar store. No. It's like it's a no. it's a guitar shop. It doesn't it needs to be like it doesn't need to be around the corner if you have that level of inventory, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah. plan your day around it. So like Yeah, that's that's the thing too is like, you know, because we hear this uh, just in the the ethos overall about brick and mortar retail kind of going away. And I think in some industries it probably will go away, right? I think Amazon has killed a lot of brick and mortar retail for for a lot of stuff. Guitar shops though, we need the ability to like go to a store and try out a guitar or try out an amp or try out a pedal. Like you can't necessarily watch a YouTube video about an especially like acoustic instruments drums yeah. electric guitars if you're if you're thinking about spending a good chunk of money on a guitar you're going to want to go and play it first 
Now, I know that Sweetwater does a lot in online guitar sales and stuff, but I think because you need the ability and people want the ability to put their hands on an instrument before they buy it, that will keep brick-and-mortar stores alive. Yeah, yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, like, I do think with amps and pedals and stuff, people are more apt to just buy it. But a guitar, you know, that's the thing that I think people will always want to get their hands on it. At least for now, I mean, like, who knows? The next generation coming up, they may not have that. and Or they may, mm-hmm. I mean, because, like, their whole life will have been just buying something and having it shipped to their door. You know, that might not be as big of a thing, you know, as long as you can right. return it. Because that's, to me, that's the thing about Sweetwater that is, you know, so impressive is, like, their customer service is ridiculous. Like, if you have a problem, they'll take care of it. If you need to send it back, they take it back. It's like, it's not a big deal. And that's something that small, yeah. you know, retailers can't really do, um, or at least not as efficiently. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, man. Yeah, Sweetwater, Sweetwater has nailed the customer service thing. Like, the fact that, and we kind of joke about it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, how many, t- like, literally, I've bought a $12 pack of patch cables from them before <laughs> gotten gotten calls for months after that from uh, my old Sweetwater sales engineer, not my new guy, Drew Foster. Shout out <laughs> to my <laughs> my Sweetwater sales engineer, Drew Foster. Um, but yeah, I used to get calls like, hey, just call to make sure those, uh, those patch cables you got eight months ago are still <laughs> working out. It's like, sure are, man. <laughs> I I bought that, that Behringer delay and within an like one or two hours they called me and they were like, you know, it doesn't come with a power supply. So if you need a power supply, I'm like, I got it. I, I got, I got it. Man. I got plenty of stuff <laughs> laying around. Don't, don't worry. Oh man. But okay. So let's play armchair CEO for a second. Okay. Let's say, let's say, um, our, our firm, our, uh, you know, our bank, uh, Broyles and Shull associates gets, uh, we, we take over guitar center. Mm. What's our what's our move? How do we turn Guitar Center around and make it relevant and profitable in the next two to three to five years? I think ditch the fluff. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, I know they do a lot in accessory sales, but they have so much just junk, like it, like memorabilia and like just crap, like all that gone. Stupid knockoff copies of guitars gone like they're they're house brand guitars like i know that they make money with that because they don't cost them any to make no one wants them gone you know like reinvest in all the name brands have it be like redo the stores so it's easy for everyone to come in and enjoy themselves and try stuff i think having a demo spaces in every shop at least a couple is crucial especially for beginners 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 <laughs> Burganers. <laughs> Burganers. Um, and then you got to close like the, the excessive retail spaces that, that look, there's the one closest to me in Madison is, is abysmal. There's, there's nothing there. They have no inventory. And even before all this shit happened, they didn't have any inventory. It's a bad guitar center. The one in Chattanooga, bad guitar center. Like, and. <laughs> Train your employees. I have gone into Guitar Center so many times and asked for something, and they just straight up told me, oh, they discontinued it. I'm like, I know for a fact they didn't. Do you have one? No, right. they discontinued it. Like, don't lie to me. 
Right. You know, that's ridiculous. That's happened multiple times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, again, like to go back to the customer service thing, I've had really great experience with my Alpharetta shop based around like one or two guys there. Um, and I've had good experience at the Druid Hills location, again, because that particular one is the Southeastern flagship store. Like that is the guitar center for the entire Southeast. But the rest of them, I can't tell you how many times I've been on tour and like, okay, we got to, you know, once a week we have to make a guitar center stop because we need sticks and strings and oh, a cable went bad and all this stuff. And I can't tell you how many like, oh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida guitar center I've like wandered into and been like, hey man, I need this and this, where are your cables? And people are like, just have no idea, have no idea. It's like they just <laughs> got hired off the street and then plopped in, put the black shirt on and the name tag and like, all right, go off. I think completely, completely restructure your employee training program and make sure that you have people that maybe, you know, they don't have to be complete experts in their field, but they at least need to have a little bit of experience and be willing to learn. And you as a company, as a corporation, need to give them the tools to learn about the gear and learn about actually helping people. Just having a store where you can walk in and have one employee come up to every customer at least once every hour or so and be like, hey, can I help you out? Is there anything you're looking for? Are you interested in anything? Do you have any questions? I used to work in a shop, a, a retail shop. It was a, an outdoor store. So we sold um, kayaks, uh, backpacking equipment, climbing equipment. And I was a, a huge whitewater kayaker for years. That was like, until I got into music, that was like going to be my career was getting into the paddling industry, which <laughs> if you don't know about it, it's actually a pretty big like industry worldwide. And so we were, our shop was a small mom and pop shop, but it was like the number one dealer in the Southeast for a lot of these kayak and canoe brands and, and stand up paddle boards and stuff. And we were trained as employees. Like I was a whitewater kayaker. I don't, do fishing or any of that stuff, but I could tell you every single thing there was to know about a fishing kayak or a fishing stand-up paddleboard or whatever, because that's what we sold the most of. You walk into a guitar center and it's like, you're looking at a bass or whatever. First of all, nobody comes up to you really to ask, hey, can I help you out? Are you looking for anything? And then if you ask a question, not all the time, but a lot of times you're getting information that's just incorrect mm -hmm. or well primarily just incorrect so i think yeah. restructuring the entire customer service program inside the store closing stores that are completely unnecessary right because it's how many how many different like guitar centers are there that are just different sizes like you have the the big ones like the one in nashville and berry hill yeah and you have the small ones which are basically just like strings and cables and a few squires you know yeah 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 you know it's funny like I, see, I've always had the opposite experience uh, with Guitar Center, like people being really pushy because they're commission-based, mm. you know, uh, where people just won't leave me alone. It's like, I would probably be more apt to buy this if you would just introduce yourself and then walk away. Right. Uh, it, Mario in the chat shared the, hi, welcome to Guitar Center and the meme of the guy saying, I know more than you. <laughs> 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 Which is like, uh, it's not always true, but, you know, for the most part. Um What's the worst guitar center you've been to ever? Me? Yeah. Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, man. 
Um, my friends, uh, Noah and Ian, they, they live up there and it's like a running joke. The guitar center just outside Greenville is, it's terrible. And I, look, if anybody there works there, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not trying to talk shit about you, know, <laughs> you or what you do or anything like that, a little bit. but it, just the store, just the store. Every time I've been there is a mess. Like it's just, <laughs> they don't clean it. There's no, like, the floors are disgusting. There's stuff strewn everywhere. There's no organized, like, you can tell the managers there, the people that run the shop, either don't know what they're doing, they don't have the support, or they just don't care. Right. And that's a, dude, that, that stuff matters. Like, the way your store is laid out and the way your employees take care of the store and take care of their customers represents your brand overall. And I think we all have a negative feeling about guitar center because we've all had bad experiences there at some point over the years we've all gone to a terrible guitar center at some point you know the worst one that i've ever been to was in las vegas and i walked in and every guitar had fret sprout because it was so dry right and, and i said hey do you guys have like humidification or anything like you know all these guitars are like they're really dry and the guy was like nah they're fine I'm like what <laughs> like I, I picked up a strat and it cut my hand like because the fret sprout was so bad because it's so dry there right um it was ridiculous it was embarrassing you know i think i think going back to the commission thing i think doing away with the commission-based system is huge because then you don't have the employees feeling so desperate to just try and sell you anything yeah. when you're when you're on a commission-based system they might not be necessarily worried about what the right piece of gear, the right guitar or amp is for you. They're more worried about what's going to make them the most money. And rightfully so. I mean, if it's their job, I understand that. But that's not how you should run a retail store in 2020. I yeah. I, I will say, though, because, you know, I worked at the, you know, at Carter and we didn't have commission, which was probably good because, you know, when like you're the guy that helps set up all the amps for a burst sale. <laughs> right. If, if somebody else got commission, you didn't get anything. It would be a fight, but right. Um, it did make people a little apathetic, you know, and just like, I'm here, I'm doing my job, you know, Hey, how you doing? And like, not really put forth an effort because they weren't getting that incentive. Um, but I think that might've just been a management thing, you know, but you know, it, that's a slippery slope having commission or not when, especially if people were used to it, but this is all hypothetical anyways. <laughs> Well, I think I think there's other ways to incentivize your employees to help people other than working on commission. Yeah. I think yeah. there's healthier ways to do that. Um yeah, that's what we would do. We would uh close the unnecessary stores, restructure the customer service experience, do away with the commission. Um do away with the unnecessary brands and the crap. Dude, why does Guitar Center sell vinyl records? Come on. I don't they're everywhere. You can get them at Target now. It's just like it's because it, it's a place where a mom goes because their kid Christmas. plays guitar. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. you know, he likes corn. What can I get him? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Do y'all have any Christian um, records? <laughs> I, my son likes that band corn, uh, but I don't I don't think that's very um, Christ like. So we don't we don't listen to that in this house. I'm sorry. All we have is God's Mac. Y'all have any? Oh, Godsmack! Are they Christian? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we listen. Y'all got any Stephen Curtis Chapman? 
What about Carmen? We're going to go down a slippery slope here. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So. Well, there you go, Guitar Center. I hope hope they make it. I would love to see that brand turn around and us in two years talk about, like, how great they are. But (laughs) who knows? I doubt it. I doubt it. All right. So next topic. Unnecessarily expensive overdrive pedals. I texted you the other day. Uh huh. I was like, "Hey, man, what do you think about a King of Tone? Should I buy a King of Tone? I I see people talk about them everywhere. They're expensive, but is there a thing to it? Like, what's the thing?" And you said, <sighs> "I said no. <laughs> I said, I said I can make you a copy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because like, okay, if you want to get in line." and wait for one go ahead do that do not pay over three hundred dollars for a king of tone Mm. that is dumb it's dumb it's dumb they sound good but they don't sound that good you know i just i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) i don't like it (laughs) which is you know, not really fair, but I know you really like blues breakers and stuff. I just feel like there's better options. And the king of tone thing is kind of like, maybe for for a lot of people, I feel like it's a status thing. It's like a clon or a rite of passage. It's like you have the thing that everybody wants and you finally have one on your board. But for me personally, I just feel like they sound good. They don't sound bad. I just think for as much as they cost used, there are better options or just build yourself a clone and then get in line for a real one. Then when you get it, put the clone in a closet or something. So for the uninitiated, what is a, what is a King of Tone? A King of Tone is an updated version of the most overrated overdrive pedal ever made. The original Marshall Bluesbreaker uh, from the 80s or whatever. The, if you've ever played an original one, they are bad. They're bad. <laughs> Everyone wants one. But they have one or two good sounds in it, and that's it. And so what Mike did um, is improve them because they're there's they're ripe for modification. But it's just a, a really straightforward overdrive, soft clipping, uh, passive tone stack. So it's pretty natural sounding. Doesn't give you that honky mid range or cut bass or anything. Um, with a not huge amount of gain on tap, it's a pretty transparent overdrive oh, here we go uh, and there's two of them one box and that's 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 the king of tone it's a modified blues breaker which like i said if you ever everyone like is so in love with that pedal and nobody's played them the moment you play one you're like what the f- is this you know everybody wants one because mayor started playing one in the early 2000s and and then that's when i think you know the forums and stuff started picking it up and talking about it and and it's this whole, it's just like the lore, right, of our guitar heroes. Like, what do they play? And I got to have what they have so I can sound like them. But you're not going to sound like them because you're not them. Yeah. Um, I will say I do like Bluesbreaker style overdrives. I think they are my favorite style overdrives because I like, and we touched on this a little bit last week, um, personally, I like to have my guitar and my amp be the the source of the tone and I want the overdrive to accentuate that. I don't want it to necessarily alter it. Uh, I, if I want it altered, I'll mm. use a fuzz. 
That's that's really right. my thing. Um, versus something like a tube screamer. And actually, Josh from JHS put out a good video. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. But I was watching it last night. When he's talking about basically there are five types of overdrives, and all of the thousands of overdrive pedals that are out there are basically one of those five circuits. Basically, the tube screamer, the yeah. blues breaker, like the DoD two fifty, and I forget what the other two are. McClon. Yeah. Um, Come on, Mister Pedal Man. What's the fifth one? <laughs> can't remember. I don't know. Uh, Someone in the chat, correct us. Uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, like the blues driver. Um, the boss. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah like yeah, the blues yeah. driver one. Yeah. But yeah, every, um, everything out there is essentially that or a version of one of those pedals. Um, and when you in some form or another. Yeah, yeah or like a combination basically. or whatever. And when you understand that, it kind of helps demystify a lot of this stuff. But um, yeah, it can definitely steer your ear into things that you may like or may not like. Because I personally am not a huge fan of most hard clipping circuits uh, or JFET, pure JFET based overdrives, but some people truly love it. So, um, but when you're talking about like overtly expensive pedals, like what are some others that come to mind Klon. for you? Because the Klon, <laughs> did, did, I told, uh, I texted you what happened. So I got an email offering me an absurd amount of money for my Klon. I think because it was in RJ's video. Yep. And um, you should I'm not going to take it. No, I think you should. No, no, I think it's going to get more and more valuable oh because I've more like the offer has more than doubled what I pay for it, and I feel like in five or six years, if people start if, paying six, seven, eight thousand dollars, I mean, you're already at five thousand dollars. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. Like the the people, what uh, uh, music is when? What did he just pay for his on five five thousand dollars for a clon, dude? Crazy. No. No, don't do that. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm probably speaking out of both sides of my mouth here because it's like, well, what is this worth? And is it really worth that? But to me, when you have a pedal like a clone that has been copied and cloned and redone and reworked so many times, there is no reason, in my opinion, to spend five grand or more on a clone. If people start spending $10,000 on clones, I'll quit. I'll just quit. <laughs> That'd be it. I'll go do something else in my life. I'll build canoes or something. <laughs> Man, you know, I feel like I feel like it might happen. I feel like if Bill Finnegan never goes back and makes like a full run, because I know he's done a few on eBay new um, of clones and the OG box and stuff. And I think it's all the same parts that he had. But I feel like if it if they just keep going the way they're going, they're going to be like bursts or something, oh my God. you know? And the same argument, I mean, honestly, for most vintage guitars, like like people are paying this much for a Klon when you can get one of my pedals or any number of other great copies of that circuit. But like I've played a lot of guitars that play just as well as, as a real burst. Yeah. And are nowhere near as close to not like just a fraction of the money right. that it would cost. Right. You know, but that's the thing. I, and that's what I'm gonna talk about in this video. Like, why are we so obsessed with vintage? guitars and vintage gear um because like okay so we played that burst last week right yeah right great guitar like truly probably one of the best guitars i've ever played i think an excellent guitar an yeah. excellent excellent guitar uh that being said there is a modern les paul 
that I talk about all the time, the Dutch Burst in London that's not for sale. Bastards. Uh, that is, let's see, so that, that Burst was what? Two, two fifty, two hundred fifty grand, something like that? Oh, at least, yeah, at least 250000 All right, let's just say it's $250,000. That Dutch Burst, it was from 2014. It's a custom shop. It's an expensive guitar. I think they're, they were asking, like, what, 7000 8000 for those new? Collector's choice, yeah, right around eight at that time. Yeah. All right, so $8,000, expensive guitar. It is absolutely 95 to 98% as good as that Burst is. Yeah, it's... It's just like, it's so close. It's, it's like, so close, dude. I mean, and, mine is wherever it is is so close, but it's it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Like we're not. Don't hear us say it's like it, there is a thing, right? Like the mojo and everything that people talk about with the burst and the old guitars. Yes, hundred percent. There is a thing. Is that let's call it five percent difference? Is that worth? Um. 25 times the price it depends maybe it is to you maybe it is to whoever buys that burst or maybe it is if you're joe bonamassa and you're after that five percent sure um but the thing is like when you talk about clans and stuff like that a mjolnir how i mean you have a clan and you make Mm -hmm. mjolnirs yeah how how different are they five to ten percent it's really close and uh, the wildwood one i think is one to two percent it's so close right um like the norm the one that you have the gold one mjolnir is um is further away but it's supposed to be but when i've tried to make it bang on it's like if 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 like someone switched them on and off and i had my eyes closed and was just playing guitar and couldn't see him i i couldn't tell the difference right you know? right so that's the thing. I, I just, I have a hard time spending or, or, or just the thought of spending $5,000 on a guitar pedal, you know? Now, again, uh, speaking out of both sides of my mouth, I spent $1,000 on this. Right. You know, um, it's, it's amazing. It does a thing, but arguably there's no reason to spend this much money because British pedal company, and I know because I've shot out my friend, Kevin Kadish has the British pedal company version of this pedal, which is like 300 bucks mm-hmm. and they are different, but it's a different, a slight difference in EQ and his was two thirds, the cost or a third of what this one is. So right. I, you know, I get it, but uh, I don't know. So don't buy King of tone. You're saying I, I used or a, yeah, I used. Well, one. I just feel like for me, like I when I got up, I grabbed I grabbed this. I grabbed the black box um, by yep. Snell. Did you try this? Yes, it's great. Yeah, and and honestly, it fixes a lot of the problems I have with the Bluesbreaker circuit more so than the King of Tone does because it's louder. It has a boost. Yep. The King of Tone is not very loud, and that to me is that to me is my biggest problem with it. Um. You just can't really hit your amp. I mean, it's it's loud enough, but it's not loud to really, like, you can't keep the gain really low and just use it as a pure booster and really have that output because I like to have that that level available to me to where I can really just slam the front end of an amp without adding any gain to it. Right. And, like, this can do it. 
the morning glory from JHS can do it because it they've fixed that problem. But I don't know. It's uh, I understand the obsession with it, but I just don't personally recommend it to people because I feel like you know this is way cheaper. There's so many other versions of that circuit that are equally as good and flexible and you can just buy it and you know or <laughs> you do what like i said is like you go on a a circuit board website and buy a circuit board replica and uh and just make a copy for yourself just to scratch that itch but i know like when you look down it's just like seeing fender on the headstock of a guitar gibson you want to have that when you see it like oh that's what it is i, I got the real thing that's that's the thing okay and dude, I'm guilty as charged. Okay. I, um, so I have a, the tweed clone that I built, the Mojo Tone tweed clone. I love that little amp. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, this week, Fender sent me, um, oh, that is something that happened this week. Fender sent me one of their, the tweed reissues, one of the hand wired tweeds. It's, it's great. Man, it's Fender, like, the 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 level that they're taking their their nicer amps, they're equally as good as anything. Bougie Dude, right now, I, I'm gonna shill for Fender for a second. Um, go go full ret shill here. I that to me, I, I pulled it out and played it, plugged it up, and I'm like, oh, that's right, because I haven't played my tweed in a while because it's been acting up. Um, it's been eating power tubes, so I've just kind of let it let it sit for a while. Um. Because that's how I handle things. When something has a problem, I just kind of put it in the corner and like, just forget about it for a while. I'll fix that later. <laughs> um, but I was starting to play this one and I was reminded, I was like, oh yeah, this is the, the 5e3 Tweed Deluxe is a desert island amp for me. That, that probably is the one amp. If, if you like held a gun to my head and said, you have one guitar and one amp and one pedal for the rest of your life, the amp would probably be a 5e3 Tweed Deluxe. Yeah. It's it's just the thing, man. It's and this one, um, it's one of their hand wires. It's got an Alnico speaker in it. It's it's just it's just right now. I don't have a ton of experience playing the old ones, you know, so I don't know exactly how it compares. But speaking to the point here, it's like arguably I already have that amp. But right. why why do I like the Fender one more? Well, it's it's got the lacquered tweed. It looks right. And it's got that little, little, that little logo right on the top. It says Fender on it. And there is that thing, which is stupid, but it's that thing of like we look at it because we've been conditioned, especially in the United States, <laughs> uh, to think like, oh, yeah, I've got the real thing. Yeah. The real thing. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting how that the, the psychology of it really plays to your perception of how you sound. It doesn't make any sense. No, art, dude. No, the the Mojo Tone, the Mojo Tone, the Mojo Tone <laughs> Tweed is the same amp. It is the circuit. It's the cabinet. It's the thing. It's arguably closer to a real vintage one. Yeah, close. I mean, the the caps are right. The values are right. I mean, Mojo Tone did a good job. I mean, dude, they even replicated the cabinet and the tweed and the handle properly. Like they got it right. Um, but because I have that weird Western consumeristic brain, I look at it and think, oh, it doesn't say Fender on it. It doesn't say Fender. You just, 
you need to go back to Guitar Re Ranch and get some amber lacquer. Dude, they sell it for tweed. Yeah. Yeah. And just spray it uh, and then pop that little badge off of it and put on a little uh, little fender badge. Actually, what I really like, so when I first built that amp, a subscriber of mine, um, and I I feel so bad because I I can't find the email. I've gone back and looked in the past, but there's a subscriber that makes badges. And if you look on mine, I'll send you a picture of it. It says, it looks like the Fender logo, but it just says Deluxe on it. Mm-hmm. And it's the proper like lacquered metal badge that you nail in and everything. So actually what I'm going to do with my tweed now, and I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I was afraid because I didn't want to like alter the sound of that amp. But now that I have the tweed tweed, I'm going to mod my Mojo Tone and do all the 5e3 tweed mods to it. Man. Just experiment. When you were talking about the Fender thing, have you played the Edge? His his deluxe. Yes. Yes. It's killer. It's yeah. It's really good. It's like somehow louder than any tweed deluxe mm-hmm. I've ever played before. Right. Um, but yeah, there's so many great mods. But also for those watching and listening, uh, if you don't know what you're doing, don't ever open an amp because it'll just kill you. And it we can don't kill need, you. We don't need that blood on our hands. Yeah, then we're not liable for you cracking your amp open and zapping your brain um i have played the edge deluxe and actually my mojo tone is pretty close to an edge deluxe because i put the alnico blue in it which the edge has in his um the celestian and there are a few circuit tweaks so actually i think that might be the direction i head with mine is like just do the edge thing because everybody thinks of the ac30 with the edge sound but arguably a tweed deluxe is as much the edges sound as an ac30 yeah totally yeah Yeah. there's so much with you can with those circuits that you can do because of the simplicity it's like i mean you can really and that's something with mods and like a lot of people are asking me for the tube screamer that i'm going to mod for you like how far am i going to go because i could i could put switches all over that damn thing it could just be like have knobs and stuff (laughs) but you would get it and be like what the hell yeah yeah. and 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 one thing i've always said especially when it comes to my own designs and with everything the more you add the more you take away and so there's a delicate balance you have to play when you're starting to do modifications to your stuff and that's the same with guitars like you know i personally like think that having phase switches and coil taps and all that stuff takes away from the mm-hmm. pure guitar sound because you're routing that signal further and it may just go like an inch inside a cavity but when it's not there it's a little better and that maybe that's in my head too but it's just one thing you have to take into consideration anytime you start doing guitar modifications that should be a podcast in and of itself like yeah you know how far do you want to go down this rabbit hole of mods you know to mod or not to mod um yeah it's like i have my my prs my ce22 um we uh ben at righteous took it for me and and we put new pickups in it we put modern prs pickups in it and um he he i told him basically do whatever you want to it and so we put a in the bridge it's one of the 5708s from a custom 24 and then the neck it has a santana neck pickup which is like sounds like a p90 it's badass yeah and then he put this like crazy circuit in it so it's got the coil taps and then it's got a phase thing on a push push and it's cool but i think it took something away from that guitar and 
yeah. So I think I might take it back to him and just be like, hey, just gut this. I want master volume, master tone, three-way switch. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, like my, I put the throwbacks in the DGT and I did keep the coil split and I like it, but it's like, I don't really use it. So part of me thinks maybe I'll just pull that out, you know, but I don't, really I don't think coil split humbuckers ever sound good. You know, I honestly think the stock DGT pickups when they're split sounded really good because one thing that a PRS guitar does that I don't know if many other people are doing this. They actually use a resistor from the connection where you're splitting the coil to ground. When you do that, you actually bleed a little bit of the other coil in. So it kind of fattens it up. Um, And that helps. And you have to play because like that resistor value is dependent on the output of the pickup. And so there's a balance and I haven't really messed with it, but I, I I think the PRS DGT's coil split sounds pretty good. It doesn't sound it's funny, you know, perfect, but it sounds all right. As soon as you started talking about the resistor, Ambrosia uh, in the Discord chat brought it up. Yeah. Split with the resistor instead of grounding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Yeah, I, I get it. I just I guess I'm kind of a snob purist for where my thing is like, man, if I want a single if I want it to sound like a telly, I'll grab a telly. I'll grab my Saris T. I I t- you know? I totally agree. I mean, like you know, that's the thing with like super strats and and all these, you know, the, all the tweaks you can do to guitars. It's like at the end of the day, you're never going to get a Strat or a Tele to sound like a Les Paul. So I feel like you're better off just having like one guitar you really love, and then when you need that other sound, just have a cheap, just get an Epiphone or something, throw some decent yeah. pickups in it, and like if you're recording or whatever. It's going to get you there. You don't have to have like custom shop this and that to really scratch the itch. Just, you know, if you really need that sound, you're never going to be fully satisfied by just one guitar trying to do it all because it won't. So better to have a a few in the arsenal. Are there, are there any other expensive pedals? I feel like we just talked about two. Uh, (laughs) Um, well, what about the duelist? Cause I have been thinking about a duelist recently. I'm kind of on a gear buying kick right now. Um, you know, so like what about, you know, yeah, tell, tell me about the Duelist. Man, you know, I, I've never <laughs> played one. Uh, I know Jesse Davey, the, the owner, builder of King Tone, sweetest guy in the world, probably one of the best guitar players in the pedal builder game. He's nice, nice. Uh, r- really good <laughs> guitar player. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the Duelist is a an 808 modded and a Bluesbreaker. So I feel like you would like it because you don't <laughs> use half of it, you know, because you don't want that yeah. 808 sound. I mean, granted, you can tweak it. But mm-hmm. I've heard people say that it's very mid-forward because he's very much a Strat into a two-rock kind of guy. Sure. And sure. I, I've heard from from friends that's that use more humbuckers and more mid forward amps that it's a little too honky um because you know i mean that that's just a few people's opinion but i've never played it i know they're they're, they are expensive but he's he's a one-man operation just like me and he's building stuff more by hand than i am um which is crazy because he has a huge demand as well yeah so i mean the thing about 
all these pedals is you just have to try them you know that it that's the the ultimate thing about all of it you know the the king of tone to me like i said is is too expensive there's this barrier of entry that i don't think makes sense but everything else you know the duelist is, is not cheap but you can get them you know yeah right yeah i think that was really my point with the with the king of tone because like you can get a new one the only thing you're paying for is not having to wait for what's the wait list now like two Two, years two to three years i think yeah it's like i don't know i've (laughs) never waited that long for any i'm too impatient like yeah i'm too i i pre-ordered the ps5 because i told all my friends like "Ah, i'll just i'll just wait you know i'll get one eventually and then i'm like you know what i'm not gonna wait i'm just gonna pre-order it and have it on day one (laughs) because i'm that kind of person so I, I have yeah. FOMO real bad yeah. when it comes to stuff. <laughs> right, right. Well, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I always wait because I'm sure there's going to be some kind of issue with the first because I want to get a PS5 as well. I haven't had a console since I was like 17. At, um, every PlayStation I've ever bought was a launch console and they never failed. Well, well Sony PlayStation. Every PlayStation, every Sony console I ever bought was a launch console and they never failed. Right. Me, so. Okay. Well, yeah. but you, you, hey, you can't Sony get you can't get one now. You're you're gonna have to wait. So, oh damn it. <laughs> well, how long is the wait? I I don't know. They they had they started canceling people's pre-orders. So like not Sony, but oh, like GameStop good. and Walmart are canceling pre-orders because mm-hmm. there wasn't enough inventory. So you probably have to wait until the holidays. <laughs> well, there you go. There it is. So that's gonna be episode ten, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we didn't mention it at the beginning, but shout out to the uh, Discord chat. Everyone hanging out here. Yes. You guys are the greatest. If you want to join the Discord chat, you can join us on Patreon for two bucks a month. It's half a cup of coffee, man. You can't afford not to do it at that price. Right. Just Yeah, and you can uh, you can join in and listen to us live and be a part of the, the podcast while we're uh, making it. Yeah, and uh, back to what we said at the very beginning please subscribe because 48.7% of people who've watched our videos are not subscribed. So yeah, which is actually not uncommon about around YouTube. Yeah. You know? When I look at my videos, I think, uh, actually I think like 50 or 60%, maybe it's not that high, but yeah, about half of, have people, uh, who watch videos don't yeah. subscribe and it's a problem. Click that thing, ring the bell, do the whole, whole thing <laughs> smash that like button that i hate when people say that so much <laughs> god it's so dumb don't say that if you make youtube videos do not say smash the like button it's not cool please even though i just said it but i said it jokingly ironically sure you did so. sure i did <laughs> uh thanks everyone we'll be back next week um oh don't forget you can send us an email at dipped in tone at gmail.com there it is there it is yep and uh yeah we'll see you guys next week thanks for watching bye